podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's almost spot on half ten, which anyone who's listened to the other Wimble pods will know is sort of median level uh, exit time from Wimbledon for us over the last couple of weeks. Probably slightly later than we'd expected, but we, we stayed to have a couple of beers rather than uh, shoot straight off. So I, I apologise if we're slightly more enthusiastic than we usually would be. It's a Friday night after all. It is the end of men's semi-final day at uh, Wimbledon when we had two not straightforward results, but certainly the results that I think we all predicted. Novak Djokovic beating Denis Shapovalov in straight sets and Matteo Berrettini beating Hubert Hercash for the loss of just one set. Um, I suppose we should start with the Djokovic match really, given that he is the favourite for the tournament. Um, the scoreline was 7-6, 7-5, Djokovic saved 10 of 11 break points. George, that scoreline, I think both people said, both players said it wasn't a fair scoreline. Do you agree with that? Um, I think in terms of performance, in terms of who brought the better tennis, you'd say Dennis did. Um, but in terms of the match, I thought it was a fair result. Um, I thought Novak hung in... Well, never felt he was in masses of danger um, of losing the match. You always felt he was going to get a chance on the Chapeau serve, even when he was a breakdown. I'll do some editing here, or I won't, you'll hear me saying this. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I came away with kind of mixed feelings, really. I, it was nice hearing Dennis kind of say, he felt this was the first match he'd ever felt I can win a Grand Slam, essentially. He felt he was at that level. And there was a lot of good stuff from his tennis side. My fear is, at the minute, that Novak's kind of doing this on purpose. He's kind of lowering his levels against these next-gen guys to think they've got a shot. And then, just when they think they've got him, he raises his level and kind of sneaks it. I'm not necessarily saying it's a purposeful tactic, but it's becoming a theme. Massetti, Sissipas... Dennis, he wants them to think they've got me. Draper. And then Draper. And, and then, then and then he pounces. Like a, a cobra out of the grass. Ah, sneaky, sneaky, sneaky snake. Yeah, you know, you know, Novak's just a wonderful match manager. Um, always felt kind of in control, even though he didn't play that well. Um, I called him out of sorts, and I know a couple of the. Uh, our friends on Twitter weren't very happy with that, and you know it seems weird to call someone out of sorts when they win in straight sets. But I always think of Novak as someone who can play how he did against you know Rafa in 2019, the final, or the level he did it to beat Rafa on clay this year. He's got so many more levels to go to that he is out of sorts when he plays like that. But credit to Dennis to make him look like that, maybe. But I'm, I'm just a little bit curious to know if this is becoming a proper strategy for Novak that these young guys need to get used to a little bit. Softly, softly catchy monkey. Um, yes, the, the flip side of Novak saves 10 out of 11 break points is that Novak faces 11 break points in just three sets of tennis, you know, which is quite a lot, I suppose yeah. you would argue. But as I say, he was only broken once. It was very early on in the match and Shapovalov basically couldn't serve it out. Um, a word for Denis Shapovalov, who yeah. was the crowd's favourite. He was the un- popular, isn't he? He's going to be hugely popular. He's a good-looking lad. He, he has a one-handed backhand. We know how much game, people so. love that. Um, and like he, how I think I am on court. Yes, just he, slightly better. Yes, he's and left-handed. He's the internal George Belshaw. 
Um, as he was leaving court, I haven't seen anyone do this for a while, he was walking off the court and he was walking towards the exit of centre and he put his bags down in the middle of that half of the court and just wave, stopped and, you know, they always wave on their way out, but he put his bags yeah. down and he tapped his heart with one hand and he yeah. waved to the crowd with the other and they responded magnificently because he does seem to have a relationship yeah. with that crowd, even though he's only played on centre potentially twice in yeah. his life. Yeah. Yeah. But he seems to have a real, a real relationship with the crowd in London. He's obviously an English speaker, I suppose, which maybe makes a difference. He, as I say, he's a good-looking guy, great game style. And yeah, he, he goes for every ball, and I think people really appreciate that. And, you know, let's not, be, let's not beat about the bush here. Celtic Court doesn't love Novak Djokovic. Not in the same way that they love Roger Federer, or they love Rafael Nadal, they love Andy Murray. I sense they're warming, though. I, I think don't know if you feel that a little bit. I, I, this year, more than many others, I've felt a bit more... So I I, it's an age-old debate that's kind of hard to quantify, but for me, when I've been there, and I haven't, I haven't done every Djokovic match because I knew I'd be doing them a lot later in the tournament and it felt a bit pointless early on. <laughs> um, so it's it's felt warm. If there is a way to quantify it, it's how many come on Novaks or come on no a couple today, though. There were a couple, but so many more come on Dennis's. And <laughs> it, it just... You know, it's the inevitability, and Novak's talked about it. He's like, yes, I know the crowd will cheer for the underdog. And I don't... I think it bothers him that they don't love him. Uh, but I don't think it bothers him in the match. I don't think it changes the way he plays. I think it really just fires his belly. Um, the other match on centre court today was the first one. Matteo Berrettini up against Hubert Hercatch. Uh, I believe the first point of the game, George, was an unreturned serve. And I leant down to you in the row in front of me and said, welcome to the next three and a half hours of your life. It wasn't quite like that. No. There was a little more to it. Um, Hubert Hercatch went to pieces in the middle. He lost 11 straight games. He was yeah. bageled in the second set. But all credit to him. He went off court. He came back. He had a cap. Didn't Andy Murray. He went off. Didn't Andy Murray. But he also had a cap on. Which he didn't wear for the first two sets. And that's where he went wrong, because that's when he most looks like Murray. He yeah. plays most like him with the gap on. Exactly, and he forced a tie-break, which he then won uh, in the third set. Yeah. The change that I thought he made was that he basically started coming to the net more and not taking on Berrettini from the baseline, which seemed to be the answer for him, because he's a very good player at the net. I was really happy for him that it didn't end how I feared it was going to end. Sort of um, three love and one. You know, it was a it was a bit of a tough watch, wasn't it? From three two in the first to one love in the third. Very um, ugly. It, 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 yeah, it was horrible, really. And you know, for a semi final, you don't really ever want that. You want it to be pretty competitive. You know, even though as I said before, I didn't think Djokovic was losing that match for a second. They were three very very competitive sets that, to the uninitiated, felt like Chapeau was going to win them. All. Yeah. Even though we all know Novak was just lurking, ready to seriously win. Like a sneaky snake. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, look, I, I was impressed with the Berrettini slice again today. I think that's really improved the backhand generally in his game. And it should and be he, said that Hercatch is a big guy who doesn't hit the ball like a big guy. No. But he, he hits his backhand well. And I kind of thought if Hercatch was going to win that match, it'd be on the backhand to backhand exchange where he gets more results. And I think it's testament to Berrettini's game that actually that's the area he's really improved on. You know, we've spoken about him a bit before on the pod, how we wondered if it was his ceiling at, you know, top eight, ATP finals debut. I wasn't really sure if he had the complete game to kind of come around. And the area that's come up 
with the serve that's also improved don't get me wrong i mean the serve is way bigger than it was last time it's a it's a huge serve the forehand's always been big the backhand has been a problem in the past and the question now is for the final is the backhand good enough to survive an examination from Novak Djokovic? That's where you really know if your backhand's ready. Because against her catch, the slice was great. It stayed low. The follow-through two-hander was solid. No mistakes off it, really. That's what you need to then give yourself more opportunities to hit that big forehand and get yourself in the point on your weapon. Can he survive Novak pickling at it? hitting it away for four hours if he needs to and get it done in four or five sets. I think that's where the question mark remains in this match. But, that said, Berrettini's got the serve and he's got the follow-up that if he plays lights out, he can take it out of Novak's hand. And that's the only way I see Novak ever losing at the minute, is that the other guy really hits it too hard for him to ever get to him. And that's a bloody hard task for best of five sets, but he's capable of doing that. See where I think the, the crux of this final is? I actually think it's on how Berrettini returns because when they met at the French Open Berrettini did not break him he didn't even get close and he and Djokovic broke him five times which he's wont to do because he's the best returner in the game what are you pointing at George? I'm pointing at Jonathan Jureko Jonathan Jureko the BBC tennis correspondent having a pizza I believe or put such a beer or perhaps both um I'll tell you why I think it all predicates. We can't go too near to this crowd, George, it's going to be too loud. George Belshaw, Metro Dakota UK, has been distracted by Jonathan Draco and pizza, quite frankly. Which, I guess, is inevitable. I don't have the same attraction as hand-stretched sourdough. But uh, Johnny Draco has moustache and hand-stretched sourdough. So I'll tell you why I think the return of Berrettini, uh, of Djokovic, of Berrettini, sorry, is so important. Is that Djokovic served so intelligently against Shapovalov today. First six break points, every single one of them he served to Shapovalov's backhand. And as soon as Shapovalov started to cheat over to the backhand on break point, he hit the ball out wide to his forehand. And it was just such intelligent play. And I think Djokovic's serving is really underrated. Yeah, it's got a lot better. And it has improved a huge amount. So that's where I think the crux is. Let's briefly look tomorrow's women's final yes Ash Barty up against Caroline Pliskova serve's Pliskiver. also going to be very important by the way yeah Ashley Barty's got an underrated serve as well she hit as I said, big moments as I said to you a couple of times break point ad court short girl hitting the serve out wide um, you know, to Kerber's forehand as well by the way uh, and she did it several times and really impressively and hit the line and won the point um, prediction result I was funnily enough just on Aussie TV talking about this and the logic dictates Barty wins this match. She's got a better return, she's got a better grass court game, she's got more weapons in her locker to unpit Pliskova. I was impressed by Pliskova in the semi so against Avalenka and I've just, ju just got a feeling uh, that uh, Pliskova's kind of got that destiny feel about winning a slam. Um, you know, she's a slamless world number one, one of only three remaining, along with Dinara, Safina, and Yelena Jankovic. I, I've written her off winning a slam now before this tournament. I just kind of feel like the stars have suddenly aligned. So my head says Barty. I wouldn't even say my heart says Pliskova, but something is tugging away inside, telling me 
that Carolina Pliskova is just going to randomly win this. I'm going Pliskova in three. I don't know why. There is no logic to that. There's no logic to that. There's no logic no, she's to that. well, obviously. That, that goes without saying. But Barty on paper should have everything. She's got a 5-2 record. Pliskova is a renowned player who does not bring it on the big occasions. But as with Dominic team at the US Open, where things just suddenly went right for him, people who would have caused him trouble dropped out things can just kind of come perfectly and I, I just I see it it's going to be possible in three weirdly can and I tell I'm wrong you, at every prediction so don't worry about that can I tell you Not who else doesn't bring it on the big occasion Johnny Drake of the BBC for the second time there this evening is. has turned up with a beer for you and no beer for me. Right, he's going to have to say something about the match. What's your prediction, Joe? Well, it's you now, isn't it? You didn't, you didn't request a beer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, okay, it's my mistake. I, I was told to get one beer for him as you were cycling. Oh, maybe this is both of your fault. Uh, JJ, uh, BBC, don't know if you're actually allowed even to speak on someone else's podcast. No comment. <laughs> so no comment. It's a no comment from the BBC. So no comment. JJ, what's your prediction? If, women's final. I think... Pliskova will, I, I don't say bottle, but I just don't think she can handle the big occasion. And I think Barty will upset a rhythm too much. Um, that, that's the logical choice, I have to yeah, say. Yeah, it is a logical choice. It's a very logical choice. I just I just can't see Pliskova this mental block. I just think there's a mental block there. Like, you know, she talks about having come over in the past, you know, but you know, she won some decent finals like outside of the US Open. But. Um, can't see There's some really good quotes in the New York Times this week, but Ben did a really, Ben Rothenberg did a really good interview with her after the quarterfinals where she was kind of assessing her career and actually how much happier she is with it at 29 compared to, say, three or four years ago where, you know, she's had this tag of the slam that's number one, the player who chokes in big moments, who's never actually going to win a slam. And she was kind of like, actually, my perspective is now that, you know, people can get hot for two weeks and win something. Me being in the top ten virtually my entire career is a far better achievement. And I, She did drop out of the top ten, of course. She did just two weeks ago. And that was, you know, that was actually treated as a big shock in the Czech Republic. I mean, it is kind of a shock, but, you know, it was treated as a big issue in their home press. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting to hear her perspective. But I, I feel like the pressure's a little bit off her now. She kind of is a bit older, wiser. I don't think she'll win more than one, but if she's going to win one, I think it's this one. I'm with JJ. I think Barty wins. I think her slice I'm also really with JJ. Like, she, I don't know why I'm saying this. Too many so you've now predicted both players to win? You know me, I like to sit on the bed. It's a classic George Belshaw Bar- prediction. Barty should win in two, but I think this is going to win in three. So yeah. I think Barty's <laughs> going to slice her up like frozen cheese. That's all we've got time for tonight. Uh, we may be able to arrange something after the women's final. If not, we'll see you after the men's. Sports Social Podcast Network.